Welcome back to the Getting Grit Podcast. I am Brad Pohl, your host, and this is where we tell the stories of sinners and saints. The book of Genesis starts with the words, in the beginning. And a great number of people around the world understand that this is the declaration of God's creation. But then God says, let us make man in our image, after our likeness. And as the story proceeds, we quickly become aware that Adam gives away that relationship, that life of grace, that power he shared in the garden. And then roughly 4,000 years after Adam and Eve, God sent his son Jesus to live among us. Jesus came to restore what Adam freely gave away, but we must resolve in our hearts that we want to restore that relationship with God. Not like some New Year's resolution that will wane at the sight of the first sugar cookie, but resolute in heart to restore our name, image, and likeness. We are called to be saints, to become the mighty sons of the Almighty God. And that not-so-simple fact bestows upon us a certain amount of toughness as well as a certain amount of tenderness. Life can be a rather treacherous path if we do not fully grasp the divine nature of these two characteristics that make us mighty sons. We can get sucked so easily into the despair within our own culture. Tenderness, said Flannery O'Connor, when it is cut off from the person of Christ, it is wrapped in theory. When tenderness is detached from the source of tenderness, its logical outcome is terror. Anthony Esselin penned these satirical lines in his CERC article titled, The Terror of Tenderness. Those who shrug Jesus away from his immeasurable mercy and his immovable assertion of the truth will certainly never fall by the Ziklon gas coming through the showerheads, or into the political cruelty of the Russian gulags, or be fooled by the dying with dignity promotions of Canada selling their product, death, and promoting the idea, of course, that suffering has no meaning. Yet we all know that all men suffer. And the endurance required in suffering bestows upon us a toughness that is also beautiful. As Pope John Paul II said, suffering without meaning cannot unleash love either. Eslin goes on to say, kindness detached from the man upon the cross turns sour and sickly. It can justify almost anything, even ruining someone's career by accusing him of some sin against the woke attitudes and culture of the current day. Of course, it is no concern how impoverished the accuser is. All they simply need to say is they feel for the woke victims who have been aggrieved. Man is never such a liar as when boasting about how hurt he is or how offended or how frightened. This he can do while twisting the knife and he himself will hardly be aware of the contradiction. So who are we to thank for this numbness of hypocrisy after all? There is no tougher, tender spirit here either, which is my own emphasis. We have refrained from calling the child in the womb a child, softly pretending that it's a product of pregnancy like some kind of meat. They usher the woman in, devastated, desperate, selfish, and terrified as she may be. In and out of the facility, she goes with antibiotics and a date for a follow-up in case the unnatural action has unhealthy consequences. And what of her crushed sense of self? Is there a pill for that too? I am sure that most of the people exposing children to perversions have kindness in their hearts. After all, were it not for perversions and their peddlers, where would we all be? 
Consider the young person hurting with loneliness who will kindly be led to think that he or she was assigned the wrong sex at birth and the witch doctors and their allies doing a lucrative business in the peddling of hormones come forth to lop and paste, to stretch and tug. And nobody is so unkind as to say that the mutilated person will have bidden farewell forever to a normal human life. And I say, what of the boy who dreams of becoming a great athletic leader, convinced it is not by sweat and blood to achieve, because the culture has convinced him it is to be found in the metaverse? In spite of all these immortal horrors in society, which common sense would say are unsustainable, our greatest challenge might be in mustering the toughness and tenderness to lead our own families toward heaven, and then to lead one more who might in him or herself lead one more. These are the everlasting splendors that define both the tough and the tender heart of man's likeness toward God not those immortal horrors, which gazing back upon leaves you with an image of salt. C.S. Lewis wrote, It is a serious thing to live in a society of possible gods and goddesses, to remember that the dullest and most uninteresting person you talk to may one day be a creature, which if you saw it now, you might be strongly tempted to worship, or else a horror and a corruption such as you now meet if at all only in a nightmare. All day long, we are in some degree helping each other to one or other of these destinations. It is in the light of these overwhelming possibilities, it is with the awe and the circumspection proper to them, that we should conduct all our dealings with one another, all friendships, all loves, all play, all politics. There are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal. Nations, cultures, arts, civilizations, these are mortal. And their life is to ours as the life of a gnat. But it is immortals whom we joke with, work with, marry, snub, and exploit. Immortal horrors or everlasting splendors. Eventually, all things among men come back to the building or destroying of relationships, and the ordered tough and tender path we've chosen in those pursuits. In speaking of new resolutions in life, I remember an old baseball coach who quipped to the first baseman, who dropped a pop fly and then voluntarily threw his mitt in disgust. Son, it's not the glove. It's the man with a hand in the glove. So it is up to us to bear the suffering in life with the toughness bestowed by God, who gives equally the tenderness to love in spite of errors against us, or those caused by self-infliction. We are called to be saints, to become the mighty sons of the Almighty God. Shouldn't the everlasting splendors be our resolutions? Because our true name, image, and likeness is solely rooted in our relationship to Christ alone. Ain't it so? This is Gittin' Grit signing off. Blessings to you all. Dominus Vobiscum.